Futures trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Opinions and statements of guests not affiliated with Everag are their own and do not reflect the views of Everag. The accuracy of their statements cannot be guaranteed by Everag. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week, we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Tuesday, January 31st. March 23 corn is up two cents, trading 6.85 and three quarters. And March 23 soybeans are up three quarters of a cent, trading 15.36 and a quarter. Turning to our guest, this week it's our privilege to have John Baranek, an ag meteorologist with DTN. Thanks for joining us this morning, John. Hey, thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me on today. John, first off, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do with DTN? And we hear that From the Furrow isn't the only podcast that you've appeared on. What uh, What's your experience in the podcast arena? Yeah, so with DTN, I do some forecasting, but a lot of mine is content creation, actually. So I do daily videos on how market or how weather is affecting markets. Uh, I write blogs for our, our website. And I, I do radio interviews with radio stations all across the country. And like you said, and From the Furrow isn't the only podcast I do. DTN has our own, too, called Field Posts. You can find that one on our website, dtnpf.com, or you can uh, find that on just about anywhere else you get your podcasts. Excellent. Well, certainly weather is a, a hot topic all the time in production agriculture. It has such an impact on our livelihoods. Currently, eyes are all on South America. That's certainly what's getting the headlines here lately, most specifically Argentina. Share with our listeners, if you would, what you're hearing about conditions and and weather in Argentina. Yeah, so it's obviously South America being huge producers of corn and soybeans that rival the the U.S. um, and our main uh, competition on the export markets garner a lot of attention because it affects everybody's prices really globally. So, um, yeah, it... With La Nina being in place, it's had a huge impact, not just for Argentina, but also far southern Brazil. Argentina's crop this year, though, has has had just the worst of it. Rain showers have been very infrequent. Uh, rainfall amounts have been super low and very few and far in, in between. Soil moisture is almost record low across a lot of the areas. That was until about a couple of weeks ago. We finally started to see a little bit of precipitation, a little heavier precipitation moved through some of the main growing areas there in Argentina. So they've had a little bit of a, of a bump. But if you look at crop ratings across the country, what you'll find is that what we're hearing from, from the folks down there is, you know, USDA, we talk about good to excellent ratings for corn and soybeans. And kind of the, the similar situation down there in Brazil is single digit good to excellent ratings on soybeans. And just from the, the recent rain last week, they bumped that up to like 13% or so on corn. So it's abysmally terrible down there in Argentina. That doesn't include now the, the rain that they got late last week. So they finally got another round of good rainfall late last week. But again, with soil moisture just absolutely low, um, they've had heat stretches down there hitting triple digits for five to seven days on end. And that's happened a couple of times. And, uh, things just are not very good for, for those folks down in Argentina. They've got another little front moving through here this week, a couple of showers moving through. They're very widely scattered, though, so not a whole lot of areas are going to get hit. 
And um, there's been a, a lot of talk recently about, you know, some better soil moisture and things getting better for those folks in Argentina. But and I, I have a hard time believing that when you're you've had probably 25 percent of your normal rainfall, getting a few inches of rain, while it may stabilize your crop, doesn't really help out a whole lot. So we continue to watch Argentina as far as, you know, if they can get any better rain outside of that chance here this week for the next 10 days or so, it doesn't look very good at all the next best chance might be around the middle of February. So things down there in Argentina are just really not going well for them. You mentioned earlier in your in our conversation, Brazil and Southern Brazil is in similar shape to Argentina. In the more Northern regions of Brazil, soybean harvest has started and they're a little behind last year's pace. How is the weather shaping up in Northern Brazil specifically because they're looking at putting in that safrina corn crop right after these soybeans get harvested. Right. And Brazil's almost been the complete opposite of Argentina. Uh, central and northern Brazil, where most of the soybean production occurs, they've had really good rain throughout almost the entire growing season. So, you know, there have all been all sorts of record uh, production forecasts going on out there in Brazil. And uh, there's no reason to believe that won't actually happen uh, once they finally get all the numbers in. But, you know, recently the Weather's been a little too wet, uh, especially in the central and northern areas there. And like you mentioned, harvest progress is a little bit slower than uh, especially last year. But we have to remember that last year was actually a, a record fast pace. So being below a record doesn't mean they're they're in, in bad shape yet. But we're going to have to keep watching the, the rainfall amounts there in central Brazil. This week, kind of, it's not really southern Brazil, not really central Brazil, kind of in between the states of Paraná and Mato Grosso do Sul. Uh, are stuck with a, a cold front there that'll be kind of sticking around all week. And kind of the one that goes through Argentina that I mentioned kind of will meet up with it here over the weekend and continue showers there. So they're going to see some more delays in those two states. Farther north, though, where the, the delays have been really significant thus far, showers are still going to occur this week, but at a much lower intensity and frequency. So I think they'll be able to catch up a little bit. But, you know, we don't really start getting too concerned until we get to around mid-February. If they're still behind in mid-February, then their safrina corn doesn't really get planted on time. Usually they want that, the majority of it. And the last couple of years, they've been able to do it. Get that in by the third week of February. If they can do that, then their safrina corn usually goes in with really good soil moisture for, for early growth and can complete pollination before the dry season sets in. Dry season usually starts at the early parts of May, the first few days of May or so. And really the rains go from raining every day to just shutting off completely. And what's interesting about that is that that's the normal time frame that they want to get everything in by is this third week of February. Now, one thing that kind of complicates everything is La Nina. And we're still in those conditions. And during these La Nina seasons, uh, that that wet season actually ends a little sooner. So last year, we could make an argument that it was uh, maybe even late March when that ended. But, you know, I think officially they got a little bit of rain in mid-April to continue that. But it was it was really dry that month of April last year. The year before, which was also a La Nina year, so this is now our third one in a row. But that, that first one in the series, those rains shut down in mid-April as well. So if they, if they shut down a little early and they plant their safrina corn a little bit late, uh, we may have some concerns about that crop production there for Brazil. So that'll be something to keep an eye on going forward. 
You've mentioned La Nina a few times. We're currently in a La Nina weather pattern. There's chatter that we're shifting towards a more neutral pattern and into an El Nino. Are you of that opinion, first of all? And then secondary to that, if we make that shift, what does that typically mean for weather patterns, both in South America and in the U.S.? Yeah, so it, everything is pointing towards us getting into neutral conditions. We've seen some uh, warmer waters off the coast of South America there in the Pacific Ocean uh, over the last few weeks. It's kind of been a slow process, but it is uh, eventually getting its way there. Uh, every model we look at has the same sort of trajectory. We're getting into neutral conditions here over the next few weeks, uh, continuing that through the spring and eventually getting to either the warm side of neutral or maybe an El Nino come sometime this summer or early fall. We'll have to see exactly how that actually shapes up and the timing on that will be important as well for us here in the US. But back down in South America, it's not really gonna have a huge impact on them. I, I mentioned that uh, their, their wet season in Brazil there kind of ends a little sooner during La Nina. Even when they come out of La Nina here during what is our spring and, and their fall, uh, that still has an effect. So we're still gonna be watching that anyway. Uh, for Argentina, usually they get into better rainfall patterns, but that's when we finally see that neutral condition kind of really start to take shape and take hold. And the atmosphere usually takes a few months, at least a few weeks, but usually a few months to kind of adjust to that uh, new conditions there in the Pacific Ocean. So even even the, the later planted corn and soybeans down there, which uh, pretty much complete right now planting wise, are still going to be going through some rough conditions here. So we don't really see a change in that. On the other hand, for us up in here in, in North America, we will be seeing a change here for the summer coming up. Uh, before that, though, like I mentioned, La Nina kind of the, the effects of it kind of tend to linger for you know several weeks or months later. So even through probably the midpoint of of spring through about mid-April, maybe even late April, we're still under its its main influence. And what that means is kind of colder conditions over the north central U.S., so the northern plains, the upper Midwest, sometimes leaking into the, the eastern Midwest or, or northeast as well. Some warmer conditions across the south central U.S., so basically Kansas southward and all the way over to like the Carolinas usually end up with some warmer conditions. And the precipitation pattern really tends to favor the Ohio Valley more than anywhere else in terms of better precipitation. Uh, we've been kind of in a, in a weird pattern lately where we haven't seen such a, um, a distinct La Nina winter pattern. Uh, we've been in a very active one. Even when the cold has come, it's still been a fairly active pattern. And a lot of areas across the U.S. have seen some improvement in the, in the longstanding drought that we've seen over the last couple of years. Uh, the West, especially, um, if everyone's been paying attention to how California just got inundated with rainfall late December into early January, and they've seen their normal season high snowpack already there in California. So everything's kind of turning around there. Even the, the upper Midwest and all the way down the Mississippi Valley and points eastward have seen some really good rainfall here over the last couple of months. Areas that have been missed out, though, are the plains. And that's kind of unfortunate, especially for those with livestock or winter wheat. Uh, where we just have not had the moisture with it being planted or, or the forage being kind of coming back to life there in the fall. And we haven't really gotten the soil moisture to come back. So if you look at the drought monitor map, it's pretty, pretty terrible up and down the plains. But from Nebraska southward, it has gotten the worst of it for sure. But eventually we'll get into a normal type pattern here with La Nina going away. Uh, we, we're, we're in neutral conditions. 
And what we usually see when we come out of these events and we head towards an El Nino is we see what I would call, quote, normal weather patterns for the summer. So uh, over the last couple of summers, uh, it's been very hot and, and dry across the western half of the U.S. That includes most of the plains. Uh, we had all sorts of production issues basically west of the Mississippi River. Even last year, we had some issues even east of the Mississippi River. This year, though, I think we get a lot more normal. So unfortunately, we're starting with a lot of drought in the western half of the Corn Belt all the way down through the uh, southern plains there. But if we get back into this, quote, normal type precipitation patterns, we'll see thunderstorm complexes a lot more frequently across the plains and kind of building across the plains and then really developing as they get east of the Mississippi River. That's kind of typical of what happens during uh, during summertime. I think we're going to be more apt to see that here this year than we have in the last couple of, of summers. So I think that bodes well for precipitation across the country. Now, the only caveat is that is that even during what is would be a normal weather pattern, there's winners and losers out of that. So not every area sees good rainfall out of that. There's some areas that are going to be left behind by where these thunderstorm complexes miss. And so we'll uh, unfortunately see some areas, and that could be again in the western half of, of the Corn Belt, all the way out to the to the west coast, that you know just don't see the type of rainfall they need for good production. But that also means that areas east of the Mississippi uh, might also have some issues with dryness, where they haven't really had a whole lot of that the last couple of years. They might have a little bit more of that uh, happening this year. That also means that areas kind of in the West might have some good precipitation. And, you know, the states like Nebraska and Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, that have had some really tough conditions for summertime crops, at least, might have a little bit more participation in this year's production than we've seen in the last couple. Well, certainly those folks in the Western Corn Belt and even further West into California and some of these areas that have just been parched by the, the recent drought are smiling uh, and certainly hopeful that as we transition out of a La Nina into an El Nino, that we have some more moisture and precipitation. I'm just hoping that in Wisconsin here, we can come out of this, this deep freeze that we're, that we're in today and into some more warm weather. But nonetheless, you've spoke a little bit about your forecast in general for North America as we look into the year ahead and specifically some of the areas that are critical to producing our crops. We know that we've got a really tight balance sheet in both corn and soybeans. And while it may provide pressure to prices, everyone loves growing a crop. That's why we're in production agriculture. And so we hope that as we come into a new year, that that plays out. John, it's certainly been a pleasure chatting with you today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and love hearing uh, about weather because it is so near and dear to the to the hearts uh, uh, and bottom lines of, of a lot of our listeners. If listeners want to learn more about DTN and Progressive Farmer and how to get in touch with some more of your work, how can they best do that, John? Right. Yeah. So we do have a lot of free information. Uh, if you go to dtnpf.com, there's a lot of information that I, I give out. Uh, we have a whole bunch of blogs and, and news and weather associated with that. We also have a subscription service and you can sign up for a free trial on that website. Also on that uh, that site there, you can find more about the Progressive Farmer magazine, which is a, a monthly uh, magazine that we put out if you're not a subscriber already. Excellent. Thanks again, John. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, subscribe to our podcast. 
share it with a friend, or give us a like. Thank you to Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige Driscoll for her wonderful mixing and mastering skills. Mm-hmm.